It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. to another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics, they absolutely crushed the Rockets last night, 145 to 113, recovering in one fell swoop from a net rating perspective from that disaster class against the Milwaukee Bucks. Wayne Spoonie and Jake Eisenberg are both here. Spoonie, how's it going, man? I'm doing great, other than I got a new camera and it looks like I just crawled out of my coffin to do this podcast. So I've got to adjust the settings, but great win, great game, fun time on the playback. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. Well, like, you know, in this reverse, you know, hemisphere thing, me and Ben are out in the sun every day as the as the winter creeps into the north. So um, the skin tones are slowly getting further and further apart here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, before we get into it, we're so close to 3,000 subs here on the YouTube channel. I'm putting the subscribe link in the description for the audio pod. So take a moment, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the video, help us na- navigate the evil algorithm. Why? Well, the better our numbers, the better our chances of luring high profile guests onto the show. Scal, for example, apparently doesn't get out of bed for less than 20,000 subs. So that's the uh, immediate target for us. Help us hit 3K in the meantime. A couple more things. Uh, Check out Wayne Spoonie's latest column on the Celtics blog, the Three Leaf Clover, and watch Celtics game live with us on Celtics blogs, playback room. All links are in the description uh, below. All right, guys, let's get into the game. Jake, at halftime in the playback uh, yesterday, <laughs> you said, quote, if we, don't, if we just don't play like dickheads in the second half, we should win this game. What did you mean by that? And did that occur? It seems like it did. Well, here's the thing. The Celtics are so good where all they have to do to win most of these games is not play like dickheads, which basically means defend close to your ceiling like 90% of your capabilities, don't turn the ball over and rebound. You do those three things against a team like the Rockets, who also played on a back-to-back after having a 10-point lead. Like It takes insane outlier shit for the Celtics to lose those games. So they came out, I'm not even sure if they what they really did besides just be superstars and and hit threes, but they it felt like they cranked up the defense a little bit and Houston was just like, yeah, that's that's enough for, for us and these Boston guys. Sorry, Ime, we tried for you for like a half, but that's that's all we got tonight. Yeah, I, I turned up my mic a little bit, Jordan B., so let me know in the chat if it sounds better. But uh, 
yeah, the, the Celtics got out and both teams got out in transition quite a bit. It was kind of a hectic up and down game. Both had 26 transition possessions. The Rockets scored one point per possession on them, which is absolutely terrible. Celtics, 1.54. Uh, most of that was Jalen Brown who scored 1.76 yeah. points per possession in transition, which is basically like a guaranteed <laughs> bucket every time yeah. he was in transition. I thought the big thing that stuck out to me was the Celtics made a lot of threes, but they took a ton of them. They're up 47 threes to 30 for Houston. I just think with the disparity and the shooting coming back recently, there's almost no way a team like Houston can compete with the Celtics if they're getting outshot from three like that. Um, <laughs> Tatum Tatum was just like awesome for most of this game, I thought. Uh, he had 1.4 points per possession on pick and rolls. He got trapped a couple times and just swung it, open threes all day. Um, so it, it was ultimately just, yeah, the, the defense was lackluster in the first half. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that quite a bit in the playback. And then you're right, Jake. They just turned up the t- intensity, and Houston just has no answers, man. I don't believe in that team. Fred Van Vliet is like a fine player, but he's got nothing for Derek White and Drew Holiday and Chris Stapps at the rim. So uh, it was just the the better team shot hot from three, and it was a blowout. Yeah, there was a lot more intent in that second half. I, I thought I wrote this down. I, I'm just scrolling through our run sheet here, but clearly it didn't it didn't save or something. But we had somewhere uh, along the lines of 13 two-point field goal attempts in the first half and somewhere along the lines of 32 uh, two-point field goal attempts in the second half. So really changing up the shot diet, really getting downhill, getting to the hoop and putting a lot more pressure on like a pretty decent, I think the sixth ranked on the year Houston Rockets uh, defense, but just carved them up in this game. And I I thought that this was one of the more like big three, for lack of a better term, like big three-ish looking games where it was just the yeah. Jays and Chris Stapps mm. dominating on both ends. Chris Stapps looked so good in that drop defense as well with either one of the stock exchange just like harassing the screen and then Chris Stapps just like perfectly positioned with the personnel on the Rockets team. You know, he doesn't really have to come all the way up to the level of the screen and he can just sit back on his heels a little bit and operate as the big, beautiful Latvian bear slaying man. Do we have the, we have the picture here i think we do uh here we go here's the best layer there uh, he is <laughs> big, beautiful, beautiful here, man uh awesome but in this game prime jalen brown like if you couldn't say Oof. that he has already arrived like this is prime jalen brown he just looked so good that third quarter guys holy shit like just a, a bit of a sequence here like massive beastly offensive rebound off a tatum corner three-point miss and just straight back up with it just like completely physically dominating everyone on the Rockets, everyone on the court. Fucking sick crossover on Jabari <laughs> Smith Jr. A couple of possessions yeah. later. That transition Euro uh, later on in the quarter as well through two defenders with a reverse lefty English layup. I was re-watching was the, uh, the highlights from the, the playback room earlier this morning, Jake, and you guys and Eric Weiss all reacting in, in real time to that uh, was amazing. He had another block on Jamari, Jabari, bleh, Jabari excuse me, Smith Jr. <laughs> at the rim and then the big scream like as soon as he gets it, just completely dominating on all fronts, emotionally, physically, etc. Uh, I won't rattle off the the rest of the uh, the sequence there in the third quarter for Jalen Brown, but suffice to say, uh, it was an incredibly entertaining game uh, from that point alone. What do you guys think? This guy's on an absolute tear right now, and I was definitely someone who thought that we'd basically reached the Jalen Brown ceiling more or less after last season. I thought, you know, the shot making, that's that's his calling card. And it obviously still is. But 
the defense has gone to a level that I don't think it's really been at. Maybe ever. Mm-hmm. I, I actually don't think it has been just because of the size that he has and the strength that he has relative to maybe his best defensive season probably being um, his second year, even like, you know, when the, the Celtics made that run to the conference finals or the year after that. But the defense, like bringing that aspect to his game where it was a, it was a legit weakness. Like he wasn't a bad defender last year. But just because of how athletic he is and how strong he is and how big he is. But there was so much left to be desired on that end of the court. And he said he was going to bring it and he's been bringing it. And it feels like it's been getting better. The rejection on Jabari Smith, who's like a six foot 10, super long dude. And that hook shot thing had just no chance. And then he recovers with Jabari Smith coming off a, like a pin down or a handoff or something. And uh, Jalen recovers and just completely destroys him at the rim on the other end. And then by the way, like gets, you know, he's, he's kind of like Jose Alvarado type steel, um, kind of coming off another corner, um, which leads to the, the, the Rockets actually defended it well in transition. And then you just threw it to JB, the top of the key who had Jalen green on him, who just crosses him over and hits like this Kobe step back fadeaway. who, by the way, like, in like two possessions earlier, Jason Tatum hits like just a ridiculous pull up three in their face. And I'm just sitting there being like, it's pretty cool to have these two superstars on our team, huh? Yeah, yeah. We, we've got that sequence here. Check it out. Again. Now, JT giving you the Jordan shrug. He's 22. You can shrug all you want. Oh, give me that. First double-digit lead for Boston. Brown, step away. Dude, I mean, second quarter. What are we doing? Quarter, but amazing. Just any time the Jays just like stack plays consecutively like that. Like we cut off a little bit of time to save time and, and hopefully not get demonetized for the CLNS <laughs> uh, guys here. But um, anytime they stack plays like that, um, it's just amazing to watch. Dude, that Tatum three barely hit the net. It was yeah. so muddy. It almost went just like straight through without even touching net. Jalen also, I think, in the second quarter had this like fade away from like 21 feet on the right side that he just silked pure net. And I have absolutely no idea how you can make a shot like that from that far away over somebody. But he did. Um, okay, so I've got some play type data for Jalen Brown, right? Okay. So this is all where he ranks in the NBA in points per possessions on certain plays. 12th in the NBA in pick and roll. 32nd in ISO. So elite pick and roll, basically elite ISO. That's crazy. Tw- 20th in post up. So basically elite post up and 14th in off screens. So like, what do you do with a guy who's an elite pick and roll player, elite in ISO, elite posting up and elite coming off of screens? Like he's just on an absolute absurd heater in every single way. And he's got his turnovers down. His assists are up. And he's finally shooting threes, man. Like, there's just nothing you can do with this guy. And like Jake said, his defense is finally awesome. So, like, he is playing at such an absurd level. Like, all NBA second team might have been, like, there's arguments for him not making second team last year. I could see them. If he keeps playing like this, there's absolutely no argument. He is an all NBA second team. He can't be first team just because of who's in front of him. 
but good lord, this dude, Ooh. he's leveled up again and he's Ooh. 27. It'll be, it will be interesting purely all NBA yeah. wise just because of the positionless aspect. I feel like he kind yeah. of, he, he, he benefited from a, like a weak forward class. But that being said, and due to tunes in the chat here, who's calling out telling me, I can't believe he thought that was a ceiling. Sorry, sorry for, the, for, <laughs> for believing that the 27 year old dude was like, you know, and then like, shame on me, dude, because he has truly never stopped getting better. Um, I, last year was probably the first time that he didn't develop a huge amount relative to the year previous. Like, I didn't think there was a massive jump from um, the year they went to the finals to last year where he made second team All-NBA. Like, even though he was really good the year before, he was he just made more shots, really, last year. The the defense, I we always kind of thought it could maybe be better, but the the decision making and the playmaking, that taking a legitimate jump was not something that I really thought he was going to do. But man, like death taxes and Jalen Brown committing to developing his game. And yeah. it's it's just a rarity in this league that, you know, so many guys they get better, but like for them to keep getting better at, at the twenty seven year old uh age that Jalen is and at the certain stuff that he's gotten better at this year is quite rare and it's mm-hmm. an absolutely a credit to him and him in the post-game press conference being like you know I am feel like I'm playing the best in my career which is I think a fact and yep. he's like I'm I'm not going to stop and I'm like you know what I'm just never going to stop thinking he's going to get better at stuff because why would I <laughs> the Avery Bradley uh, trajectory uh, but look yeah. players do tend to, to reach cruising altitude at around you know 26 27 28 uh, Judah tunes in the chat here saying like yeah yeah man I get it but when you see a guy training yeah. in the pool working on the left hand putting on weight and going against JT right. in practice like gotta be patient I mean we, we do have to try and appear somewhat objective on this show so to <laughs> yeah. say something objective like he's probably hit his ceiling rather than like resting on our laurels as fanboys and being like no like they're always gonna get better until they're the goats because that's really internally how we feel. Sometimes we need to present a somewhat objective argument. So I was with you there at the time, uh, Jake, but one of those things, so happy to be wrong. Yeah, so happy to be wrong. News. Like Jason Tatum, <laughs> could, could he ascend to being better than Jokic somehow? Like there's room in my heart for that reality. Do I think it's going to happen? <laughs> Probably not, but I would certainly leave the door open for that one. Uh, you mentioned the three-point shooting as well um, for both the Jays. And we'll, we'll get to Tatum in a little bit because he had an incredible last couple of games, but 41.2% from three from Jay. Jalen Brown in January as well. So firing on all cylinders lately, both Jays to say the least. Um, speaking of threes, we've been celebrating the return of, of Tatum's three and Jalen Brown's three. Can we prepare the welcome party, Spoonie, for the return of Chris Tapp's Porzingis' three? Uh, well, obviously, I'm going to overreact and say absolutely. We can. <laughs> yeah, the welcome party's already begun, baby. So three of five from three. But what was kind of bizarre about this game was he missed a 25-footer missed a 26 footer and made a 28 and 27 footer, (laughs) which like kind of makes no sense. But I feel like he misses the shorter ones long. So maybe he's just like his stroke is somehow better for a longer distance. I would know nothing about that, but (laughs) some people I'm sure are very familiar with longer distances. So um, and what I love about KP is absolutely how confident he is in the fact that he can make basically any shot in basketball like a seven foot three guy catching firing from 28 foot often with a hand in his face which is should be a terrible shot but for kp it's really not and and the beauty of him is that we can get to that shot anytime any place 
any point of the game in the fourth quarter, in the first quarter, period. He's just got to set a pick and he pops out. And if they hyper-focus on KP there, something else is going to open up. And that's why he fits so well with these two dudes. It's great to great to have these guys back playing like a normally type schedule. Like that five games and seven nights thing, just have a night off and mm-hmm. and have, you know, I think a little bit of extra juice. I honestly don't think the EMA thing was that much. It was it was just they got the crap kicked out of them the night before. It felt like they really wanted to to come out and play well. And because of that Bucks game and only playing half of it, it feels like I haven't seen Paul Zingas in in so long because because he, he didn't play in the um in he didn't play in the T Wolves game, did he? That's right. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, you're, yeah, I, so, I don't yeah, believe it was you did. the whole yeah. show. So we hadn't seen yeah. him since um, the second Pacers game, which feels like a while ago. And uh, yeah, so for him to, if he can get his three ball back, that feels like the last last thing right here. And he did three for five. Uh, it has to be coming. Like the, like the sample size of him being a good shooter is just so large. And the like, like say, every other shot that he's taking, he's making. So I don't see why yeah. he wouldn't make that one. And one of the, the first observations that was made sort of collectively across the, the Celtics podcast space was that we weren't really getting Porzingis the ball sort of uh, uh, at an efficient pace uh, at the beginning of possessions or whatever within the flow of a possession. And now it seems like uh, there's a lot more flow to just the integration of Porzingis into the offense, just in how we're getting the ball, when we're getting the position, like the, literally the location of the pass, like his chest is a good two feet higher than the average <laughs> chest height. So make sure okay. you deliver that pass on target. Little things like that. So I wonder as we start to get more of a flow there offensively with the integration of KP, if we start to see the shot come back as a result of that. And speaking of people's shots coming back, Jason mm. Tatum now, February, and it's like not that small a sample size. It's what it's the fifteenth of February, at least here it is in January. Australia, halfway through the month. Sorry, January. Thank you. Fifty-five point six percent from three on seven point five attempts for Jason Tatum. Just an absurd number percentage-wise from beyond the arc, but very much on track. We talked about it last show with the the very famous meme of Jason Tatum that this mm-hmm. is the trajectory of his seasons always. And you mentioned earlier, Spoonie, that that shot we played a moment ago, the barely touching the sides of the rim as as the ball goes through. So just like crazy efficient, crazy locked in. Can it hold, Spoonie? Like, can we get this in the playoffs? I almost, I want the playoffs to start like tomorrow. The team is looking so good. It feels like torture to have to wait this long for the, you know, another half of the season, essentially, for the playoffs to start. Look, 55, you know, 56% for three is obviously not sustainable. I know you're not (laughs) suggesting that would hold, Ben, but there's no reason. Okay, so I, I heard through the grapevine that he recently had worked with Drew Hanlon and his balance on his three point shot was off. And like since he had that workout or that session with Drew Hanlon, he's been back firing from three. It has looked really clean recently. So I think there's probably something to that. I'm buying it. I'm buying it, Jake. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, baby. It's like, yeah, I I also believe that it looks better. But I'm a simple, smooth-brained man. It goes in. When it goes in, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, obviously it looks better now than it does before. But like, I, I, I can't honestly, I need to go back and watch all of the threes from like, November, December, and then these ones and actually try and see if I can notice anything different. But um, 
I guess it worked. Yeah, Mitch in the chat, Drew Hale needs to stop focusing on Embiid and give his attention to Tatum. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Hire that man. Yeah, you've squeezed squeezed all the blood from that stone that you're going to get from Embiid. He's won the MVP. You got to move on to bigger and better things. We're trying to win a championship here. Um, look, stop, stop with the MB propaganda. He's embarrassing you by by chasing this thirty point ten rebound streak anyway. Come <laughs> and not playing and not playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. come. Yeah, your your brand is pure sweat. Who lives that brand more than anybody else? It's Jason Tatum. Enough. Well, enough. I would say Embiid is pure sweat after like two laps up and down the court as well, conditioning wise. Uh, (laughs) In a minute, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Derek White. If the slump is over, we're going to talk about the whole Ime Udoka situation one last time and very briefly because I think we're just sticking talking about it and some other miscellaneous points from the game. But first, a word from our sponsor, FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Jake, do you want to follow up your ASMR ad read with a, with a couple of tips, <laughs> betting-wise? That, that read is going to drive me insane. And, always, and then I always forget that... I've done it until the next time we record. I'm like, yeah, I get up. I don't really have anything right now, but um, uh, the Chiefs just like uh, I'm on the Chiefs. I bet them to win the Super Bowl every year. It hasn't looked awesome this year, but uh, they dominated the Dolphins. Now it yesterday. does. Yeah, <laughs> Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, just ride ride those boys would be my my tip responsibly. All right. Sounds good. Let's move on. Slump Derek <laughs> is still good Derek, it seems. It's so Derek White to have like not the comeback game, but rather just the quiet, slightly improved, slightly like refinding his groove into the offense. And in this game, we saw the threes going down early. He had that like one crazy quick trigger Ray Allen three from the yeah, far corner in the first half. Uh, then subsequently, like his two-point bunnies started to go down. He had a couple of like very earlier season Derek White floaters go in. And it's one game, but I think we're so eager to just call it. And especially like with regards to the, the JJ Reddit curse, just like say that it's over and move on. 
Spoonie, are you ready to make that call or is this just one data point in the journey to, to get to that point? It's, it's been rough for Derek. I'm yes. sorry, Jake, but it's been <laughs> no, pretty rough for Derek White recently. Uh, over his last 10 games, his true shootings dropped from 65% to 55%. So he's, he's still in the 60s well, on the season. But yeah, so he's down to like below league average efficiency. But you know what? It's Derek White. He's still plus 16, 16.5 net rating in these last 10 games. So even though he's playing not as well as we expect this new version of Derek White to, he still has a massive positive impact on the team. And that's why he's so valuable, right? Because you can ride those hot streaks when he's on them and he could basically win you games. And then when he's not playing his best, at least shooting scoring wise, he's still super helpful. He's still moving the ball. He's still making the right play. He's still playing defense. He's still blocking shots. He's still somehow protecting the rim, even <laughs> though he's a six foot four guard. It makes no sense. Um, so, I you know, I got I got to see it more than one game. But uh, like that's that's the beauty, dude. It doesn't really matter. Like it'll matter in a playoff series, but I trust that he'll make shots four out of seven games. Yeah, and look, I think on some level, like, firstly, it's obviously J.J. Reddick's fault, but, yes, <laughs> like, on some level, he was probably due for, like, a stretch where he was not literally perfect. Like, he, up until the last five games or whatever, has been playing like a legit all-star. There's a reason why this campaign started and why all this hullabaloo has been going on about Derek White <laughs> becoming an all-star, and, like- Tatum had his struggles. Every player in the league, except for like Jokic, has stretches where they struggle. And Derek White hasn't had one yet. You know, Jalen was early in the year. Drew is maybe quietly having one as well. Um, yeah. And and Derek White, as he said, as long as he's making the right play, and that's what's incredible about this team. All of a sudden, Derek White's been struggling a little bit. KP carrying for parts of the year. Great timing. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum look like first and second team all NBA players. So it doesn't matter. And what's great about Derek White is that he doesn't force it. He's he's not going to Dion Waiters his way out or attempt to Dion Waiters his way out of this slump. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna just make the right play. The most encouraging thing has been how the the quick trigger on the threes hasn't gone away at all. Mm -hmm. And I'd mm -hmm. say that's probably the most important thing. He's still confident. At least he's still appears to be taking the same shots. And that yeah. one that he hit on the 3.5 seconds on the shot clock coming around that screen and just almost obliterated the net. It, it splashed into it so hard. That filled me with incredible confidence. He hit one of the wonky floaters, you know, that he typically yeah. hits. When I was watching the game, I was like, okay, the three looks good. He hit one weird wonky floater. I need him to make one more, and I think I can declare the curse dead. He didn't attempt another one. So- that might be good, but so that's maybe the other piece because the weird part was like not only was he missing threes, but the weird Derek White floater that doesn't really come and go. That's usually one of his more consistent shots. That also fell apart. So great to see him hit one, but that is something I'm still tracking. Yeah, fair enough. Like we always celebrate low variance offense on this show or low variance play types. And Derek White is is such a, a low variance player in that sense that like even his floor is still so high during a slump where, you know, against the Timberwolves, he's making these literally game saving or game winning plays, like that offensive rebound coming across the the lane there after the missed free mm -hmm. throw and, you know, restarting the possession for ultimately I think it was a game tying or, or a go ahead bucket in the corner mm -hmm. there for Drew. The fact that he still has a nose for um how 
how and when to assert himself in a game, even when his offense isn't flowing as it normally would. Uh, it makes him such a high value player. I hope that we get that extension done. I, I guess it has to be in the off season mm. now. Uh, and it's going to be a, a costly one given uh, how awesome he is, even when he's technically in a slump. So good to see a little data point there as far as him maybe emerging out of that, but um, still a very survivable state to be in given how effective he can still be. We should switch to the Adoka situation so far. We've already talked a lot about it, like really since the whole incident occurred. And then obviously subsequently in the lead up to this game. Um, for me, guys, it didn't feel that significant. I don't, it didn't sound like there was much of a pop from the crowd either way when he was introduced or at any point during the game. He's maintained good relations, it seems, like with the players and vice versa there. So there didn't seem to be any animosity going either way also. And it kind of ultimately for me just felt good to get it out of the way. Now when he comes back, it won't be such a big deal and we can all just kind of move on. So a little bit of closure there, I think. I don't know. What do you think, Spoonie? Yeah, it almost felt a little anticlimactic in some mm-hmm. ways, but oh. also like it's been a year. It's been a year and a half almost at this point. Um, and the game was a laugher. You know, it wasn't like super intense. But the the flip side is, did you guys see Jay King's tweet about Pritchard yeah. when he threw the off the backboard uh, alley oop to Brissett, which was fucking awesome. That was sick. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, that was nice. but like he said, like Pritchard got pulled for goofing around in like garbage time last or yeah. with Udoka two years ago, and like he thought it was kind of an f you to Udoka. But I'm pretty sure Pritchard was like dapping up Udoka after yeah. the game was over. So like wh- I don't know. I just think like globally, it just seemed like okay, we beat this guy. The players clearly still like him. His pregame comments were really strange, I thought, about, like, they lied to you. It's like, dude, just let it go, man. But, uh, did, like, did you guys get the feeling like that was an F you from Pritchard? Not at all. Okay. Yeah, I Bump think, in. like, subsequently, given just given the context, it's like, I'd be happy to interpret it that way just to give the whole situation a little bit more pop. But, um, I don't know, like, in that moment, how much can you really stop and think, like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this as a, as a fuck you to my old coach, as opposed to, like, we're way up, we're out in transition, there's no defenders anywhere near us, and O'Shea gets even less playing time than I do. I'm going to throw him something nice here for his own personal highlight reel. So, I think it's probably, you know, we talk about Occam's Rogier on this show, like, that's probably the most likely explanation. Someone in the chat asking what I'm drinking uh, i'm drinking water it's the middle of the day here and i'm technically working so it's, it's water for me right now guys um moving on to i guess uh, just getting yeah. down the list oh go ahead jake I, I was just gonna say that this comment here is absolutely accurate in that it's it was just obviously media hype wanted it so badly in the mm-hmm. the pre-game the post-game press conferences everyone's asking them multiple questions about it and everyone up there is just like specifically tatum being like yeah i spoke to him a year ago and every now and then, but like, I wish just all move on. It's in the past. No one, like yeah. no one cares. We're, yeah. we're, we're literally talking about playing the Raptors now. Um, I will just say that quietly the rock, the Rockets are five games below 500 since their eight and three start. And everybody that is, you know, romanticizing Ime Doka, uh, he's not having like an insane coaching year at all. Mm-hmm. Like, that team brought in a, a. They paid so much money to upgrade that roster. All the young guys are young and getting better. For them to be five hundred is like very much just at best meeting expectations. So, uh, whereas Joe, on the other hand, currently on track to exceed at least regular season expectations. 
Well, speaking of exceeding expectations, I don't know if you could even put this in that category, but Al Horford was a plus 30 in this game, like by far led the team. And actually, actually Derek White was a plus 29 as well. But uh, beyond that, led the team in uh, in plus minus. It had a couple of great little post-up possessions in this one. And I don't know about you guys, but you could feel the energy, the whole crowd, everyone on the bench. It was picked up on the, on the hoop mic there, but both of these possessions where Al was posting up, come on Al, come on Al. And the whole world was behind him, just like um, cheering him on to, to show us a bit of old school hoop there and in, in backing down a smaller and much younger defender, whichever one of the inexperienced Rockets defenders you, you want to pick out there. That was awesome to see. Also going up against another old head in Uncle Jeff Green, Uncle former Jeff. Celtic. Uh, the block from Horford on Jeff Green, uh, just two dinosaurs, just uh, biting heads, <laughs> like two T-Rexes just growling at each other uh, and just a, a massive showdown there, kind of like Godzilla and Mothra, I suppose. Um, I don't know, any, anything stand out for, uh, from your guys' perspective on that matchup or from Al Horford in this one? I just love Al. And uh, off the back of the Minnesota game, our New Zealand correspondent Joe, tracking the magic number of the Timberwolves game, pointed out that the three-pointer that Al Horford hit with about three and a half minutes to go mm-hmm. um, to cut the lead from nine to six was arguably actually the biggest shot of the game because there was not going to be enough time if he did misses that shot to actually come back. Um, all, you know, due to the magic number formula, which uh, if you're not familiar <laughs> with, you know, get get, get, get get with the program. Subscribe, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, subscribe. Yeah. And uh, watch the playback where you have time to just to rehash that more often. But then that just led me to go back and kind of look at Horford in the clutch this year. He's just, he's 50% from three in the clutch this year. Uh, pretty, pretty good. Solid. And, and absolutely matches the eye test. But also the clutch numbers like that three that he hit um, to cut it to six doesn't count as a clutch bucket because it's not within five points, which is, again, clutch stats are so misleading because they're so specific. I always went back and had a look like monster three against the Warriors game that they lost to cut it to to one with 40 seconds to go. Like against the sixes, they're up five. He hits a big three to push the lead to eight with two minutes to go. He's just nails. And I love him. I, I like, how does he keep doing it, dude? You know what I mean? It just seems like every time I'm like, oh, it's a swing to Al. This is going in and we really need this shot. Uh, and like, I feel like he's activated old man strength. Like he had one of those post ups was on Cam Whitmore. Go and Google Cam Whitmore shirtless uh, because I do it Whoa. pretty often. And that sounds like something I would like. That sounds like something <laughs> yeah. I'd be interested in. Yeah. And dude, like that dude is a an ox he's like six seven <laughs> wing absolutely mo- absolute monster i'll just like put him into the basket easy little post up layup and it's like it's like what what just like he just keeps like impressing me somehow i'm just impressed by al horford from everything he can do and his eyes which are obviously the most impressive thing about him somehow <laughs> but uh yeah like he just it, just the way he bails us out so much it's like what are we going to do without this dude don't, don't worry about it. It's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I right. used to I used to fantasize about Smart hoisting the the trophy, and that is like well and truly being replaced by Al Horford being that guy. That yeah. is like a daily fantasy of mine. Uh, <laughs> has old man strength kicked in for you guys yet? Uh, it has not for me. I'm still waiting for no. it. I'm about to turn 37. <laughs> has not happened. Feels like it will not happen. Uh, folks in the chat, call in. Let us know. Other missed points from this game, guys. Tatum booted. Early from this game, well, rather early in the fourth quarter, um, we do have the the play here of the quote unquote 
uh, foul that led to the uh, the riffraff with the referee there. That one, I'm not sure. Let's take a look. Getting downhill, elevates. Oh, yeah. Guys, clear foul. Am I wrong? I'm so <laughs> sick of these refs, dude. Oh, my God. Like, one, this ruins a very likely Jalen, Jason, 30 and 30 game. And mm-hmm. as we creep closer and closer to overtaking Jordan and Pippen and Shaq and Kobe, that's probably like one of the most important like records that I that I want to actually achieve at some point. So firstly, we were robbed of that and Tatum you know, came back in. He got fouled on the two offense. This was just an egregious three missed calls in a row. Um, and uh, he was like, no, sorry, I'm, I'm sacrificing the 30 and 30. I'm, I'm getting ejected. And I, I wish he would have just, he's just not an asshole. And so, like, the way that he does it, he just, like, he's, like, chirpy. He's, like, very, like, relative to how demonstrative a Luca or a Draymond or, you know, a even a LeBron. Like, he's just, he's angry, but he's, he's, it's so toned down relative to these other guys that it's it's not even that exciting. But I wish he would just, he would he would play it up a bit or, like, I don't know, throw a ball at us up in the air or something. Just make, like, get your money's worth, dude, if you're going to get ejected. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dude, it, it seems like if the like if you get in the ref's face and yell at them, they're totally fine with that. But like Tatum's like get some fucking glasses or whatever he <laughs> said, like while he's turning around and like does like a little wave of the arm, yeah. and it's like, you're out of here, buddy. That's completely yeah. <laughs> out of line. But like I watch a Mavs game and Lucas like, Oh my god, ah, you know, he's just screaming in the ref's face, and they're like all right, Luca, have a good one, man. We'll yeah. get we'll get you next time. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Drives yeah, me insane. You could, you could see Tatum getting increasingly frustrated in this one. And he, he had been barking at the refs as a result of that in the lead up to that ejection. We've got one notable play here. Check this out. Hell no, something bleep my face, I think, is uh, is clearly what he said there. So uh, uh, I thought he said that's not clean or something like that. No. Yeah, I don't know. I heard like face, hell no, yeah. something in my yeah. fucking face is what I heard. Uh, Which yeah. is, if you look, if you watch the play over, like clearly there was some some face grazing going on there. So rightfully angry, Jason Tatum, but we we side with you, obviously, which is we would never do. But in this particular case, uh, we love you, Jason Tatum, and we uh, think you were wrongfully ejected yet again. Of um, other missed points, guys. Anything else stand out to you uh, from this one? No, it was it was just good to get back on track here and get ready for. You know, we got a couple of easier, like easy-ish stretch, you know, between the Rockets, you know, Raptors and, and Spurs with not crazy stuff. Just come in, take care of business. No one plays in the fourth quarter. Get the net rating back on track. Everybody feels good again. And we can just be the wagon that we've been. Pritchard's just been playing really good recently. Yeah, too, I know, right? Like, he's been awesome. Like, and obviously he racked up some points in garbage time. But, like, even before that, I thought he was great. Does, like, a good job just sticking with people defensively. His size lets him down. And, like, the shooting is, like, all the way back for, for Pritchard. And he's not, he doesn't turn it over. And he's, like, diming people up, which is seemingly out of nowhere. So, like, just shout out to PP. Yeah, I know we sort of talked about that position being maybe the most in need of an upgrade as far as if, you know, if we were going to tinker with the theoretical playoff rotation, it would be Peyton Pritchard. And yeah, he's got some defensive issues, particularly through the scope of the playoffs where he could be exploited. But I just don't see us getting 
a better player in replacement for for Peyton Pritchard. And maybe, Jake, we can combine this. We, we've got mm. on the run sheet here. There was a trade today between the Wiz and the Pistons. Gallo and Muscala, the Moose, uh, off to the Pistons. The Wiz, I think, uh, looking to dump some salary or maybe it was the Pistons with what they sent back. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, it, was, it was the Bagley salary they were trying to get rid of. Got it. That's right. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. So Gallo and, and Muscala, they're now eligible to, to be Celtics again, essentially. So, you know, talking about maybe upgrading a certain uh, playoff rotation position there and these guys becoming available again, do you see any movement there with the involvement of Pritchard and maybe getting someone like Danilo Gallinari back on in green? I think Gallo would be a great buyout guy as um, someone that they utilize, because I'm assuming they will utilize the 15th roster spot at some point. He um obviously I kind of he hasn't been shooting the ball well with with Washington, but I kind of feel like I have to throw out the uh, throw out the stats when it comes to Gallo. Yes, yeah, so I wouldn't be in a trade for Gallo, but it would yeah as a as a buyout guy, hmm. I, I think he'd be great. I mean, I I really watched a, a Wizards game where Gallo you know was actually playing pretty well. And I saw the vision. I feel like I, I, I had like was transported <laughs> back to Brad Stevens, and like he he hit a pick and pop big uh, three. He put someone in the post, and then I was like, oh my god, this Brad Brad just when instead of doing the Gallo thing, he just got the the all star version of Gallinari in Porzingis. But it's like we have Luke, and <laughs> you know, Kader is essentially just Luke but different. He's just like a drop big rebound and play defense. That's just his job. So like if you're gonna bring in another big, have someone that can come in and like play the Porzingis Al Horford roles in a pinch. Obviously he's not gonna play anywhere near to the capability of those guys. But yeah, can stretch the floor, can still punish mismatches. Ironically, like another similarity, he's a great grifter, like free throw rate and gets himself mm-hmm. to the line. And so him as your 15th guy for like the odd game where Porzingis misses or Al Horford misses defensively it's not going to like be anywhere close but that's why he would be a buyout guy and a 15th guy and i think it would be just nice it would be good vibes to bring Kelly back and uh, him not have a torn acl do you, do you think he'd want to come back he was like weird yeah, about when he, he got yeah. traded and he was like this is my revenge game we're like okay buddy um but yeah there's just like zero downside to bringing either muscala or gallo if either of them get bought out there's like they can eat some minutes for you um and you're basically just taking up a spot on the roster that's not been filled the entire season. So, yeah. like, why not? But on a Pritchard trade, yeah, I think you're right, Ben. Like, I don't see a viable trade that's an upgrade, especially with the way Pritchard's been playing lately. So I just think that would be really difficult. And he's got that weird, like, he's uh, poison not pilled. poison. Yeah, it is poison-filled, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like, his his salary going out, is different than a salary coming in. So then you're trading for teams who have cap space, essentially. It's just really tough um, to to manage that type of trade. You can do it for sure. But and I just like, are you going to give up a first round pick to upgrade your third guard? I don't, that seems aggressive, but maybe mm-hmm. it's worth it. I keep going back to the Caruso thing. And yeah, fair. And He's the guy. And that's the guy because he can play guard and really he can play upper position as well. And so you send out Pritchard plus, you know, Sphi and Stevens and whatever picks it takes to get it to happen. And so, like, he makes $9 million the next two seasons and then Drew Holiday has, like, this $36 million player option or they – he no, you, you, can make, you can make the Caruso deal work it, uh, in the chat here. It, it only makes $9 million this year. 
you can easily get there um, with like Pritchard plus two or three of the bench guys. Um, and instead of potentially, you know, extending Drew or you extend Drew and Caruso is on nine million again the following year, Drew Holiday is the big salary that you actually end up trading away uh, when the team starts get, getting really expensive. Mm-hmm. And Caruso is actually someone. Um, that I might actually trust more in crunch time. Yeah, I think well, it's worth. Yeah, I, I decision making wise, ball in his hand guy. I think Caruso. I think is actually you know slightly higher basketball um, basketball IQ. Yeah, I, you, you can you can make that work either way. People in the chat are yelling at me here. Um, yeah, if you think you know two first round picks is too much to pay, then you think the price is too high. I don't necessarily think the price is too high. Um, for, for someone like that, especially when you get both of those guys this year. Yeah, I do think that there's no excuse for not doing absolutely everything you can to ensure a championship this year. And if that includes, you know, if the possibility does present itself of getting Caruso, you, you do have to stack a number of salaries to uh, to include essentially like most of our deep bench. And I think we've had enough time to not grow a, particularly attached to any of them and to feel somewhat no. <laughs> indifferent about them all. So that yep. part of things doesn't feel particularly complicated. And as guys t- continue to, to shake loose from a buyout market perspective, where suddenly that looks more replenishable, if there is such a word, then <laughs> from our side, it, it seems a lot more of a viable option. Uh, there was a talk here of, of opening up the um, required amount of roster spots in Chicago to make that happen. You probably would have to, that would be complicated from their perspective. So in order to incentivize them, you would have to probably splash a couple of extra second round picks to make that happen. But we do have all of those picks because of crazy old Brad Stevens during draft night uh, earlier in the year. And again, if you're not doing absolutely everything you can to ensure a championship is won this year, um, then you're failing the fan base and you've got to do something with those second round picks. Um, so I, I would be for including, you know, the vast majority of them in a, a Caruso acquisition if we can make it happen. But all of that said, there's so many other teams out there better positioned to make that trade happen for themselves, um, notably the Sixers perhaps, uh, which is terrifying. <laughs> so hopefully we can get it done uh, if for no other reason than to prevent another contender in the East getting it done as well. Um, I guess we should move on. One thing I wanted to ask you guys was about the Bucks game and whether or not you have any feelings one way or the other about it. Um, it seemed like it was collectively, and this is through the national media as well, brushed off, which is uh, quite a relief mm. to see. Spooty at the time, obviously a devastating blowout, but um doesn't feel like anyone other than the very annoying Bucks fan base are really drawing much from this one. Yeah, I did just feel that sometimes everything goes wrong and sometimes everything goes right for the other team and you take the rest advantage into play as well. Um, and Jake and I were talking about it on the playback too, like especially Dame having like oh. four or five days off. And like, this is a Simmons take, like he's got some bad ones. This yeah. is when I think he's like spot on when like those mid to late 30s guys can bring it like once a week, but they can't bring it every game or they can't mm-hmm. bring it three times a week and we got it from dame like he he brought it they looked faster they looked up for it they needed that game way more than the celtics did too so i don't take a ton from it we we beat them by 40 last year oh they lost in the first round maybe that's how to get it yeah but, uh, <laughs> but no I, I i don't take much away from it other than it's annoying to be on the internet after it mm-hmm yeah, it was annoying to be on the internet after it. But what's great is that pretty much everybody besides Bucks fans yeah. didn't take the game seriously, which was great. And to listen to the podcasts of Zach Lowe and Chris Herring, where they can just be like, "Yeah, it was really hard to take anything away away from it." And 
Uh, I'd be really annoyed if I was a Bucks fan, which makes me extra happy. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, it's so <laughs> good. Yeah. To be able to draw schadenfreude energy from a 40-point blowout loss is huge <laughs> and just stacks on to this amazing season that we're all having, having so much fun yes. enjoying that we can have these enjoyable, humiliating losses as well. Let's wrap up with the upcoming schedule, guys. The Raptors, obviously, in Toronto tomorrow. I think it's, a, I believe it's a public holiday, MLK Day in the USA. They're mm-hmm. heading up to Canada for that day off where I believe that is not celebrated. <laughs> Spoonie, can you confirm? I don't think so. It wouldn't make a ton of sense for Canada to celebrate it, but uh, maybe. I, I mean, they, you know, they copy us a lot. Do they get a day off in lieu for being overseas for a public holiday? I, no we'll idea. Call in if you know. Yeah, all right, Google it. Yeah. yeah. Look, Jalen Brown, Jake, is questionable heading into this game with oh. a left knee hyperextension. Uh, thoughts, predictions for this one? Just looking oh. through the, the last two weeks, as you know, I love to do clean oh, yeah. glass stats. Yeah. And it's not looking good for the Raptors there. 27th in defense over oh, the wow. last two weeks per cleaning the glass. Overall on the season, though, 16th ranked offense and 21st ranked on defense. So they're, they're a bad team. We should feel That's, good about this one, right? Yeah, we should. But there is something about the Raptors where I'm just like, I'm I'm just a bit, I'm not, I'm not worried about the game, but I'm, I'm like, we need to take them seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like, so they, they made this quickly RJ Barrett for OG and Anobi trade. And I think... In a vacuum, not in a vacuum, like Brawley, that's a good trade for Toronto because they needed a point guard and like, like really badly. But as far as dealing with the Boston Celtics, those defensive numbers really surprised me. Uh, I, I didn't think that it would drop that badly because that's pretty much just post quickly, but yeah, post a quickly trade, sending out OG Ananobi. It's like they always struggled with the Celtics anyway. And now they don't have OG Ananobi to deal with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That's going to be a concern. Uh, if mm-hmm. they if we don't have Jalen, obviously that's not ideal, and evens the scales a little bit. But yeah, I'll be on my toes for this one. I'm I'm, I'm predict- predicting a twelve point win. Oh, I like I like the specific point <laughs> yeah. total. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it felt like last time we played the Raptors, um, Scotty Barnes was super hot from three, and that was kind of the only reason it was within touch for most of the game. So. Uh, I mean, Scotty's actually shooting really well from three this season, but uh, on some of the attempts he was taking against us, I, I don't think that's kind of his normal production. Um, not, I used to be a big RJ, but I have some embarrassing RJ Barrett defense, like defense <laughs> takes. And I, like, he's going to be awesome. He's going to be really good. Give him time. Not looking too smart on those. But if you ask Knicks fans, he defends Jason Tatum really well. I don't know where that take comes from, but I've seen it multiple times. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, Barrett's kind of a poor man's OG and quickly's good. He's lit us up a few times. So he adds a dynamic, dy- dynamic, dynamic aspect to their, <laughs> to their offense. We got that. Uh, Spoonie uh, glitched. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that they really, they haven't had just because they haven't had a point guard. Um, so they, they, they do scare me a little bit and they always play really hard, which is very annoying. So. I like 12 point win. I like that, Jake. I'd, I'd probably be, you know, pretty fairly comfortable Celtics win. Yeah, they're three and four in the last two weeks of play in their last seven games. So hovering just okay. below the 500 mark there, uh, appropriately so, given those uh, stats that we just referenced. Uh, coming up after that, we've got the Spurs on Wednesday night. I feel like we mm. know them well, so we probably don't have to touch too much on that game, having played them recently. And then, guys, game yeah. one of 
the Denver Cup against the Nuggets. Oh, Fortunately, in Boston, uh, last two weeks, they are 5-2, and two, seventh offensively, 10th defensively. Uh, pretty good team, obviously, reigning NBA championships, best player in the league. Nikola Jokic, my mate Geis' uh, favorite team. Where if you've been listening to this show for really not even that long because I talk about it all the time, uh, you would know the ongoing rivalry between me and my best mate, uh, Dice, there regarding the Nuggets and the Celtics. Spoonie, you feeling confident about this one? It's sort of it's a, a timely measuring stick game for the Celtics, I think. Yeah, so I, I always feel like we used to defend Jokic really well. And a part of that was Grant Williams. It's insane mm. to say, but he always did okay against Jokic. Um, <laughs> uh, KP, I think, historically has not been great against him. Um, but yeah, yeah, who the hell's not great against <laughs> Jokic? So be fascinated to see. I feel like it's going to be high scoring since we can pull Jokic out of the paint and really attack that Denver defense. And they can't really hide Gordon on anybody to let him do that, like, Romer roll mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and then obviously the Nuggets offense, when they want to play really well, they it's like they have a switch. They're like, oh, no, okay, we got to go on like a 12-2 run right now. Let's do mm-hmm. that. Um, so I, I feel like going to be high scoring, going to be really fun. I, I don't know, man, not super confident about that one, but it's at home. Well, you know, we'll protect the record, right? Yeah. I, I, the, these Western Conference games are more exciting and fun than like emotional for for me. Like the games against the Bucks and the Sixers and the Heat just mean a lot more because you see those guys all the time and they're part of your path to the final. It's like you can't really worry about too much about specific teams in the West as good as Denver is. Like it's honestly more likely than not that something happens where they don't make the the finals. That's just mm-hmm. the odds yeah. reflect that them being like plus 250 or plus 300. You know, you're not getting minus odds on any team ever making the finals really. Um, so it's just more of a f- like fun game. Like the OKC game is just like a sick matchup. Um, but I'm so I'm specifically excited to see how the Celtics deal with their offense. Like I think, you know, that's the that's the key to like to a series if those two guys were going to match up. Because I think that the Celtics offense is going to actually match up pretty well against them. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Aaron Gordon's typically always been too slow for Tatum, and and KCP kind of too small for Jalen and, and Tatum. Like those are their two best defenders, and they're legit good. But the way that the those guys are kind of you know, what they do best doesn't play super well with the Jays. And I always say, if you can't sh- you know, shut down the Jays or the Celtics offense in general, then the Celtics are always going to have a chance. But like watching what the Nuggets did against the Pelicans who were fully healthy the other day, mm-hmm. and they just like tore them to shreds. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Pelicans defense is technically got a good rating, but I don't buy it like in a real setting like that. And, but they just slip walked to a 20 point blowout. Yeah, I'm expecting to be sent the Jack Nicholson psycho nodding meme about five times during the game. So I'm not looking forward to this one. But look, the, the Jays, they always cook the nuggets. And it just comes down to, like you guys have already said, like, can we mitigate what they do so well offensively and slow down Nikola Jokic? And maybe can Al Horford step up as like the primary, you know, replacement Batman now that Grant Williams is uh, elsewhere? So um, I think that's an exciting, spicy matchup, actually. Like the veteran knowledge of, of Al Horford against like the basically current goat that is Nikola Jokic that's going to be really fun to see anything else guys at all uh, on your mind regarding Celtics before we wrap this one up feeling good the Bucs are up one or two we'll see if Giannis makes this free throw against the Kings right now so I'm intrigued to see how <laughs> I thought you looked a little distracted I saw something pop up and I was like hang on a second what's going on here <laughs> um, yeah so that's all exciting right, awesome 
Oh, we'll keep an eye on that one. Well, look, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back later in the week. So make sure you sub to this channel and all the audio pods so you don't miss anything there. We did have Richard White, Derek's father, lined up for Thursday night, but that's been rescheduled to next Tuesday, I believe. So again, subscribe so you don't miss that one. Can't wait for that one. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time, go Celtics. Thank you.